Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. This morning, as we said, we've got to, we've got to focus on Open Doors, uh, and we've got a video this morning. We weren't able to get someone from Open Doors, uh, but a brief video from Zeke, the Relationships Manager with Open Doors, to uh, share more about their work and their ministry. Thanks, team. Hey, Horsham Church of Christ. Um, my name's Zeke Milley, and I'm a part of the team at Open Doors Australia, um, and I'm really excited to just be giving you just a little update on on what's been going on in the life of our ministry at Open Doors and um, the provision and the amazing work that God has been doing through the persecuted church. Now, I know your church are supporters and have been supporters of the persecuted church for a long, long time. And um, I just wanted to reiterate before I even say anything and just thank you for your continual commitment and, um, and, and your ongoing support of the persecuted church. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without churches and communities and people like yourself. And so at Open Doors, we are continually not only praying just for the persecuted church, but praying to God and praying for you because we are just so thankful for each and every person who's given towards the ministry and the work of Open Doors. Because as we all say, and we've all heard before, if the church doesn't help the church, who will? And so we're very grateful for you. Look, God's been doing some amazing stuff in our ministry, just as as a quick update. Um, We are going through a season of wanting to double and expand our impact on the persecuted church. And so God's been breathing amazingly, especially over COVID in the last two years. We've saw an amazing period of growth in our ministry. And we are so thankful for that, even in the midst of really challenging and tough times. Um, For me, I'm loving hearing stories of people and persecuted believers receiving training and care and and, and and Bibles and Christian resources that are equipping them and continuing continually helping them to stand in the face of uh, persecution and stand in some of the darkest places in the world and shine the gospel of Jesus. Um, a great question that we may be able to answer is where are we looking to see God move in the next 12 months? Um, Look, we are really working tirelessly, our team all around the world, to serve the persecuted church. I'm not sure if you're aware, but this year there's 360 million Christians around the world who are persecuted for their faith. Ever since Open Doors have been taking data on this, three this year, 2022, 360 million Christians is the highest ever level of persecution. So over the next 12 months, we're looking really to continually expand and grow our ministry and continually to serve the persecuted church. How can you be praying for Open Doors? That's a good question as well. Um, We want to pray that you'd continually uh, be giving and sowing into the work of the ministry. But just as I say that we pray and we support and we give, can I just say the most important thing that you can do to serve our ministry at Open Doors and any other ministry for that, for that, um, for the, in that regard, is to be praying. Um, can I just say, God is much more powerful and, and God is much more bigger than our finances. 
and what we give is very important and we're very grateful for each person who gives but I would encourage you that if you give and we know that you give I would also say partner with prayer because our God is way more powerful and way more effective than any money that we could ever give to the persecuted church and so um Maybe I want to tell you a story. I've heard this story and maybe maybe you have before. It's a story of two young women named Mariam and Marzia. Um, they were put in prison for simply sharing the gospel and wanting to seek out and follow Jesus and, and tell the world around them. They were put in prison for eight months um, in Evan Prison and they were locked in a cell, solitary confinement just for their faith. Um, They had people within their church community, friends, people who follow Jesus that were put to execution because of their faith. But they decided in the midst of this prison, they were going to continually share the gospel. So they shared the love of Jesus with everyone who would listen, even with guards who would listen. And slowly this prison cell and this prison that they were a part of became a place of evangelism and worship. It was not too long that they were sitting before a court and wanting to know what you have to say for the crimes that the government had pulled against them. Crimes that they alleged were anti-government activity, blasphemy, which all all of these crimes, the, uh, the punishment was death. And they stood in front of this judge and they said that, 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 that we're, not, we're not two children who need people to say what we think on our behalf. Jesus said, I give you the Holy Spirit and you need nothing else. And so we're going to continue to follow Jesus. And nothing that you could say or do will ever make us deny that truth or water it down. What an amazing statement of faith. And I hope that that story encourages you. And you'd be really pleased to know that because of their stand in the face of governments and, and persecution, it actually made global and worldwide news. And they were forced to be released after a short period of time. And they now live and tell the story of their persecution all around the world. I just want to reiterate, we are so thankful for Horsham Church of Christ and the sacrifice that you make in supporting Open Doors. And we pray that each gift and each prayer will just be multiplied and blessed by God. And so we thank you. God bless you. And you'll hear from us soon. All right, I just want to reiterate my thanks to Zeke and the team down at Open Doors for putting together that video. Um, it's just been a great partnership for us to be with. In his little storyline, he talked about uh, these two women in Iran, uh, Miriam and uh, Mariah. And uh, if you ever want to go deeper into that story, there is a book that's written by them um, called Captive in Iran. Um, we'll have it out on the desk afterwards. You can have a look at it. It's just an amazing story. Um, of how to live out your faith under incredible persecution and under incredible pressure. So in these next few moments, we just want to share with you a little bit more about how you can support Open Doors and um, how you can get involved or, you know, in many simple ways. But before we get there, I just want to um, start this time in prayer um, and pray for the persecuted church. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we humble ourselves. In all things and through all things, we want to honour you. And we stand with our brothers and sisters worldwide. We stand as your church. 
proclaiming your name to all peoples, no matter the cost. Heavenly Father, we thank you for open doors. We thank you for the vision of Brother Andrew so many years ago to just take a Bible to those under persecution, those who couldn't get access to a Bible. Oh Lord, the amazing power of your word. We stand with these believers now in your name. Amen. All right, I just wanted to um, run through a few things, and Christina, we're going to share with you a couple of stories that have really impacted us. Uh, but first of all, I just want to lead through a few different things of how you can partner with Open Doors. And Zeke touched on it in the presentation there, but one of the most powerful things we can do, and we talk about it with all our mission partners, but each and every one of us, is partner in prayer. Get involved in prayer. Early on in the year, each year, Open Doors release um, this thing called a World Watch List. Now, they've got a little poster out there. Uh, for me, for somebody who's very visual, I find this incredibly useful. It's got a nice picture here of uh, the world and then the top 50 places where persecution occurs. Now, in 2022, maybe to no surprise to anyone else, but uh, Afghanistan, for the first time, has hit the top of the world watch list in terms of the riskiest place to live out your Christian faith at this point of time. And that's just taken over North Korea. I think it's about 27 years since North Korea's been topped and Afghanistan has taken over the list this year. The other thing that they do supply with this world watch list is there, are, there is a booklet. So you can go online and you can sign up and um, get access to all this information. And there's little steps there. You can um, find out a lot more information about the countries. And you can actually pray day by day um, with uh, those people in those places where persecution is occurring. There's also um, daily prayer guides. Again, um, after the service, come and catch up with us because everything is there online. Um, I've got my iPad out there so I can show you how to go through the website. You can sign up for materials. Um, there's a daily prayer guide and they'll send that out week by week or month by month, should I say. Um, and that allows you to go through uh, various countries uh, again um, and pray for specific people as they tell their stories. So it's just a really good opportunity to pray through things. And in addition, you've got your news and updates that are sent out you know, via email. One thing about Open Doors, they're all over social media. So those who are online, if you want to jump onto Instagram, YouTube, um, podcasts, they're all over all that sort of social media. Again, if you're unsure about it all, come and have a chat to us afterwards. I can point you in that direction. You can have a look at it. Um, there's plenty of great information there. Ooh, we've lost a picture off of this uh, slide, so the slides I sent through, we'll just have to keep rolling through it. All right, um, one of the things um, 
that caught us, and um, we were expecting a picture up on the slides uh, before, was during the week um, we picked up a, um, a thing on YouTube, it was on, uh, I think it was on um, uh, Facebook, uh, just an image from Brother Andrew, and the statement goes, no one, no one should have more than one Bible when so many around the world can't even get their hands on one. And this is from Brother Andrew, the, the founder of Open Doors. And it just, uh, just let it sit with you for a second. Because it just hit us in the face. And because I was just pondering and I was thinking, shivers, I've got two Bibles sitting in my drawer at work. The old Gideon's Bible and my Good News Bible I grew up with. Um, I decided I'd go and have a look on the shelf at home. So this is the one I bring to church every week. Um, but then, you know, there's another three, four others sitting on shelves there that have been read or not been read. And it was just a real challenge to think about, you know, how many Bibles we have around our rooms. And so if there's anyone in the service today who doesn't have access to a Bible, hasn't got one, come and catch up with us afterwards because I guarantee you I'll put you one in your hands because the words in this book are life-changing and powerful beyond all things. Um, you connect up with Open Doors, you'll hear the stories. But there's even stories around us here if we are willing to talk to each other. Um, I know for us in our own walk in faith, just the power in those words has just been immense. So, other ways you can support. So obviously the biggest thing for Open Doors is um, going forward is financially supporting them. And one of the ways you can sign up is just online uh, through a monthly partnership. So when we first saw the presentation here, oh, I think it was yeah, two years ago, yep, around um, pre-COVID, I remember Christina just went home and just went bang, sign up for, um, for a... You were home, were you? Oh, that's right. Yeah, we were at home. That's right. Watching online. She just went and signed up straight away. So those that are online, so, so those that are watching online right now, maybe not do it just at this moment. Wait until we're finished talking. You can just click a couple of buttons, look up Open Doors, and sign up to a monthly partnership. They also run a number of campaigns throughout the year. So on the presentation in front of you, you can see that there's a number of things they do. One with them. That's something um, for those that were here just before Easter. Uh, Christina and myself stood up and we talked about this partnership where uh, you can stand one with a persecuted church. So for one day, you give one day's worth of your um, income to the persecuted church. And obviously they're telling stories around that and around Easter time. One of the other biggest things is, and you know, underpinning Open Doors, is spread the word. And this is all about putting Bibles into the hands of persecuted believers. So um, we'd just like to share a couple of stories now um, about you know, what we've seen and, and stories that have impacted us uh, about how the Bible has changed lives. So I'll just let Christina share one of her stories now and then I'll go on in a second. Um, 
just reading, scrolling through, it's just so hard to choose just a couple of stories about Bible. So I'll just share one that's really touched my heart. How far would we go to get our hands on a Bible? Before owning his own copy, Chinese believer Wen Ru would travel days just to get a glimpse at a Bible. He goes on to say, we have such a shortage of Bibles. So when I heard about a training centre far away in central China, I decided to go there. First, I travelled 10 hours in an old bus. Then 50 hours on a train. Nothing could stop me. And just to put that into perspective, it's from here to Brisbane, back again and back to Brisbane, just to get a glimpse. The centre had only one copy of the Bible. They fastened a rope around it and tied it to a desk to make sure it didn't disappear. I learned so much there, but we desperately need more Bibles. We desperately need more Bibles. Um, the story that hit me most, uh, well, hit me recently, I was listening to their recent podcast and um, listening to Mike Gore, he had been travelling down through South America and um, he was telling the story of this elderly woman, a 70-year-old woman. So I don't want to put people's hands up here in this room, but I imagine there's a few people that would be 70 and above in this room. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine not ever being able to access a Bible in your 70 years of life? And not even, not even that, but being able, not even dreaming of the fact that you might be able to get your hands on a Bible in 70 years of your life. Maybe that's for a 20-year-old. Just imagine that. 20 years, you can't get access to a Bible. So Mike was telling a story of one of the supporters um, in South America where this woman was living and um, they were able to finally get a Bible to her and just the tears of joy, the, just, just that expression of uh, this incredible value, something that's just so, so valuable and finally being able to get your hands on it and read it. Just so many stories of the power of the Bible and I just ask, you know, challenge you to get online and um, have a look at, you know, the opportunities there. Can I share my other story? You can, oh, yeah, you've got another story there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah go into that right. one. He didn't know, but I picked another one that I have to read. Um, it's just about a 21-year-old Cedar who lives in Iraq. Her eyes sparkle when she talks about God when they were delivering Bibles um, in her village. They sparkle about his church and his book. She goes on to say, the Bible is the most important book in the world. It is the book that teaches us most. It is fundamental for every human being. As her church community rebuilds after period of displacement due to, due to Islamic extremism, Cedar says the Bible is central to that process. We need to rebuild our lives with a strong base. The Bible is such a base. It's the book that takes us to our eternal life and gives us happiness. And she would like, she also goes on to say, I would like to tell people 
to come to Jesus with all their difficulties and struggles. It's good to pray together when we feel weak and we shouldn't forget about our Bible. Reading the Bible gives inner peace. The powerful stories of the Bible. So finally, um, what we want to share, and Christina will share a little bit about this, is one way we can support um, children of the persecuted church is through not forgotten. So, um, Christina, you can share a little bit more about the ministry of not forgotten. Um, <clears throat> not forgotten, spelled K-N-O-T, forgotten. I just want to say thank you to my friend for making this, so I can show you all. It's a ministry that is to share the love of Jesus with the persecuted children around the world. Just so handmade crochet toys. So I'm calling all crochet makers out there. If you know somebody that can crochet, um, <coughs> yeah, they're handmade and delivered to bring the joy to the children of the persecuted church for following Jesus. And it can also uh, help local churches to share God's love with children who do not know him yet. Uh, Jesus says in Mark 10, 14, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God believes, belongs to such as these. Um, as these are going to the persecuted church, there's certain rules in that that we have to follow. So out on the table after church, we have, I have patterns and, and stuff. And the October 30, we're having a collection morning for those toys. Uh, so hopefully we can, yeah, get a lot of crochet makers to... So anyway, yeah, so there'll be patterns out on the table um, afterwards. If you're watching online, contact us through the office. I'm sure we can provide this information to you. Um, I'll be available at the desk. Christina will be serving behind the coffee uh, counter this morning. So one of the other great opportunities you have got on mornings like this, and I think it'll be through the whole of uh, Missions Month and that, is that if you want to donate to any of the missions organisations, and particularly this morning, all coffee donations will be going to Open Dawns, but if you want to give a specific donation, just let the person know on the coffee desk. There's a little button there we can hit, and if you want to donate through that little iPad, um, you can do that at any particular time. So, so yeah, so this morning, um, catch up with us afterwards. We'll have a chat to you. Um, love to share the messages of Open Doors. Thank you. As you can see, some great opportunities to consider the part that we play. Uh, I guess one of the most astonishing things uh, in that conversation, and we'll hear it again uh, later on in the month, that uh, these ministries actually grew and multiplied exponentially over COVID. Um, and particularly as we thought, hear the stories about the persecuted church, um, you know, as I've said, we've reflected on a couple of years ago, there was a number of conversations in Australia talking about how wonderful it would be this would bring people back to, back to faith. And, and then over the last couple of years, uh, we've talked a lot about, oh, the end times are coming, the persecution's coming. Some people have been knowing that for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. <laughs> Some people have been proclaiming it in our lifetime um, and, and seeing it, but their ministry and the kingdom of God continues to grow. And yet somehow... With all our comforts, with all our capacity, with all our access, um, the church in the Western world's fading away, apparently. 
There's more, there's more people who declare themselves on the Australian census as non-Christian or non-religious than religious for the first time in history. Um, so I, I find that really confronting and challenging uh, and what that means. And I guess that's part of what I want to uh, just briefly look at uh, today and invite us to consider as a church and in part as our personal and as our communal response. And uh, so this was, this was part of the wrap-up that I had planned for last week after our testimonies of emotionally healthy spirituality. But I feel like it also leads into um, and helps us in our mission and helps us consider our mission in lots of ways and the capacity and the interest that we have in mission and the call that we have to be people of mission. Now, if you're exploring who Jesus is, if you're connecting or reconnecting with a church, we, you know, we understand that there's different stages and different steps. We want to welcome you um, and ask you to stay with us and join with us because we think this will deepen our faith and encourage us in our faith wherever we are along the journey. So we are exploring our global partnerships and our response and the invitation to be a part of transforming our community in the name of Jesus. And I want to say, if we partner with our open doors, our community is also with the persecuted church whether that's in um, uh, parts of Africa, whether that's in North Korea, whether that's in Afghanistan, we're, we're a part of their community. And they would say that they're praying for the church in the Western world. They would say that they're praying for us and the needs that we have and the challenges that we have. Um, so it just gives us, we are part of the church. And these are the texts. Um, so Galatians chapter 3. I don't know what I've happened to there. There we go. Uh, Galatians uh, chapter 2, sorry. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So for me, as, well, as I think about um, the life and the response that we have, there's some tensions that we need to live in or some rhythms that we need to discover and rediscover as part of the local church, particularly the local church based in Australia, the local church based in Horsham, Victoria. There's some tensions and some rhythms we need to rediscover and reimagine in our lives and in our faith. What does it look like for us to be sold out for Jesus? So powerfully that we will proclaim his name, even if our friends are laughing at us, even if our family disowns us, or even if we're required to stand in a court of law. Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Wrap your head around that for a minute. Imagine the people that you don't want to live with. They're the people you've got to live with. <laughs> we have to, I think we as a, as a church, as a local church, I think as the Western church, the Australian church, we need to recapture this and we need to reimagine it. Because I think rather than growing, we've actually shrunk back. Rather than exponentially going deeper into our faith, we've pulled away. Rather than actually buying into our community of faith and being sold out as follower of Jesus, we've shrunk into what suits me even more. 
And I think the Australian, and if the census doesn't convince you, nothing will, but the numbers don't lie. But I also think it gives us a great opportunity, a great sense of hope. They're actually called to recapture this and reignite this. And it won't be because of the minister says it. It won't be because someone convinces you from open doors. We could have 10 people come up here from the persecuted church and tell you their stories. We'd leave here how inspiring it was. And we'd go home, put our heaters on. And I will, I would go home, put our, watch the footy this afternoon and keep going about our lives. What does it look like to be fully sold out for Jesus in the Australian church, in the Australian culture? So passionate, so fired up that nothing else, nothing else takes that focus away. We are built on the foundation of the apostles, that is who est- those who establish the church, those who are sent out in the name of Jesus, um, and prophets, those who proclaim the coming kingdom with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The initial building block, the starting point, the anchor point, whatever you want to call it, whatever describes it. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Um, So did you hear that tension? Uh, We are members of his household built on the foundation. So there's a complete work and there's a work still being done. And finally, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 to 12 and in verse 44, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because your reward, because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And in verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's tensions that we have to live in. There's rhythms that we need to rediscover. Because what I've found in a lot of conversations, um, and I can say a lot of conversations, one of the things I've reflected on the number of over 20 years, I, I, I have no idea how much money I've spent on coffee over 20 years. But those coffees would represent a lot of conversations and a lot of conversations would be, um, oh, I just need to do this in this season and for this time. And we become so focused on this one thing. And then, oh, I just need to do this. And a lot of this, I need to do this, is about what I need to do. And it leaves Jesus out of the conversation a lot of the time. And then people of faith, mature people, look at me dumbfounded when I say, what does Jesus think about that? They're shocked that I would ask that question. I've got no other question. And I know people don't like coming to see me because I'll say, I knew you'd ask that. I've had people tell me that. Well, I haven't got anything else for you. I genuinely haven't. So here's some tensions I want us to consider, some rhythms that we need to think about and reconnect with as we think about the work that Christ has completed, that we are built as his members, the members of his household and as we are being built. Some tensions or some rhythms. We are completed. Oh, there you go. We are completed and we are being built. The work of Christ has been completed, yes? And yet we know our work is still being done. 
Who's complete here? All right, we all know we've got some work to do. There's, that's called sanctification. There's some work being done to be transformed into the image of Jesus. There's a tension there, yeah? You follow me? I gave you an easy one to start with. Um, prayer, we talk about prayer. Prayer is an opportunity to bring needs before God, but as we've learned over the last few weeks, it's also to sit in silence and in solitude with God and to delight in God, to be with God. And to know that he delights in us. There's love and there's persecution. We're going to have both of them if we follow Jesus being completely sold out. Now, I don't think we really know what that word persecution means in the Australian church. (laughs) Let's be honest. We've probably had people laugh at us. We've probably had bosses mock us. We've probably had friends tell us we're idiots for going to church. We've probably had some school friends who laugh at us because we might not behave the same way as them. That's not persecution. So let's, I mean, let's just understand that for starters. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't continue doing right, even if people love, laugh at us or um, reject us. There's unity, so we are called to be uh, unified in Christ and even to be at peace in Christ and with Christ. But Christ says, don't kid yourselves, I haven't come to bring peace but cause division. Do you hear the tension? And what does he say about the division? It's actually going to cost you your family. Because while you stay focused to following Jesus, there are family members who are going to go say, not interested. And then you have to work out what does it look like for me to witness to my family and with my family about what it means to follow Jesus. And I know there's a number of people in this room who struggle with that on a daily basis. With either their, their husbands or their wives or their children or their grandchildren. And I think... What we've got to work, and I don't want to tell you what it looks like to be sold out for Jesus in those circumstances because I don't know. I have some ideas from the amount of coffees that I've bought from people, but you know, I've heard some stories. We talk about having faith in Jesus, and yet we also know that to have faith calls us to work, calls us to ministry, calls us to serve. And so many people, oh, well, it's just about faith. Yes, it is. But we're also called to follow, which means to serve. Are you getting these tensions here? Are you getting these rhythms here? All right, let's move along. Um, there's work and then there's rest. We talk about balance, and this is why I hate balance. How many days did God work in creating creation? How many days did he give us aside for rest? Is that balance? See, our mind of balance would be three and a half days of work, three and a half days of rest. That would be balance. Australia is one of the biggest populations for the most public holidays in the world. And we're still not balanced. (laughs) Thank you. I'm glad you got it. Um, It's not about balance. It's about rhythm. 
There's work and there's rest. There's community and there's solitude. There's the private, the personal declaration, the personal and private prayer, and the community, the public, the public declaration. The public faithfulness, the public expression. There's the gathered and the scattered. They're all probably similar things, but I thought it was important. This is going to come, next one's going to come across badly, but I hope you get it. Um, I wanted to say worship, but I didn't want worship to only be about this. There is worship that is, you know, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's why I went with noise. (laughs) And there is worship that is silence and quietness. Neither is more powerful than the other. This is one of the biggest challenges in the Australian church. There is correction and acceptance. Somehow we've built a culture that if I correct you or challenge you, I don't accept you. We have believed a lie and increasingly believing a lie that we are not allowed to correct one another. There is correction and there is acceptance. You might want to call it there is freedom and there is accountability. Paul actually uses the language, be slaves to Christ. Be bound to Christ. You belong to Christ. We kind of, ah, when it suits me. There is grace and there is truth. So there is the undeserved gift and then there is truth of what is being proclaimed and what is happening. There is, uh, we are called to be his witnesses, but we are also of the understanding that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction. But there are people who will go, well, I've just got to keep witnessing. You've just got to keep witnessing. Well, there's, and there's no space for the Holy Spirit. And there's other people who would say, oh, we'll just leave it all for the Holy Spirit. There is pruning and there is bearing fruit. There is old and there is new. There is listening to the word of God or reading the word of God and there is responding to the word of God. Allowing the word of God to take root in us. There is learning from wisdom. And there is encouraging energy and enthusiasm and releasing people to have a go. There is waiting and there is going. There's some people who sit around and, I mean, they've been waiting for five years. And there's all sorts of opportunities. And a number of those conversations, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God is calling me to. I'll tell you what, if we start with love one another as Christ has loved you, What would that look like? If you you don't know what God has called you to, if you don't know what the grand plan is, if you don't know what your grand purpose is, start there. Come and tell me how you go. Love those who persecute you. Do good to those who persecute you. Start there. How's that for a grand plan? There is death and there is life. The other one that came to mind as I was hearing those stories is there is power 
There is the power of God, the immense nature of God, the indescribable nature of God, and there is the intimacy of God who knows us because he weaved us, weaved or woven? He put us together in our mother's wombs. I I think the Christian church, maybe particularly the Western church, we need to recapture and reimagine what it is to look like to live in these tensions. Call them tensions. And I, I, that's not opposing forces tensions. That's just there's moments of this and there's moments of the, uh, this. And there's moments just in between it all. We, we can spend so much time wanting the mountaintop peak experiences. You know, you get to the mountain, you see the view. Oh, my life is wonderful. How would you know? And most of us, we're there for a brief moment. Most of us actually live most of our lives somewhere in between the valley and the mountaintops. That's a lot of space to play in, isn't it? And we get to the mountaintop, we have brief experiences of mountaintop experiences, and then we just keep walking. There's a lot of time and space in between in those tensions. Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 2 to 4 says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Now hear, hear the tension here. Hear the rhythm here. Who's bringing the harvest? Whose harvest does it belong to? Jesus, God, it's not a trick question, ladies and gentlemen. God's already got something. God's already provided something. He's already planted something. He's already sown something. And then what's he asking us to do? Pray. Send out the workers. Go out into his harvest field. And then just while you're praying... Go as well. In your prayers, as you pray, go. And I'm sending this, how's this for attention for you? I'm sending you out like lamb among wolves. And all of that, friends, is about really seeking the heart of Jesus. It's giving every part of our life to Jesus, whether you're in waiting or going, whether you're in death or in life, whether you're in community or in solitude, whether you're witnessing or persecuted, whether you're loving or... What does it look like to give our whole life to Jesus? Like Seriously, right now, because you can, we can all stand up. I'm going to go home. I'm going to have a beautiful lunch. No doubt about it. I'm going to go home and sit in my lounge suite at some stage this afternoon. But seriously and honestly, what does it look like for every single one of us to take it seriously, to surrender my whole life to Jesus in such a way that I am prepared for that life, that declaration to cost me everything? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. 
And with all our creature comforts, with all the things that we can have freedom to do, my goodness, we need to know that more now than ever before. And do you know what strikes me most about the persecuted church? Their families will be kidnapped to go and be married to Muslim people. And their families, the first thing they'll do is they'll go into their local church and pray. People will lose their jobs and have their businesses blown up and the first thing they'll do is they'll go into their church community and they'll pray. They'll show up for their worship services regardless of temperature, regardless of distance. And I don't say that to put the guilt on us. That's like I'm here. I'm, I experience most of what you experience. I've got to wrestle with this. What does this look like for me to give my life so sold out for Jesus? Because you and I have all heard enough ministers who have stood up and proclaimed this is truth and then we've found out all the secrets about them, haven't we? So I'm as accountable to you. I've got to work out what it looks like to give my life to Jesus. Again, today. And then tomorrow. So maybe today, as I invite our team to come up, maybe today you need to declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Maybe today is the first day where you say, I need to be all in. Maybe where you say, Jesus, I want to honour you and serve you. I want to give my whole life to you, whatever I've been filling my life up, no more. And I need to declare you as the Lord, the one I will serve and the one who will rescue me the Lord and Saviour. Maybe today it's about coming back to him. Maybe it's returning to him, recognising that you've wandered off in your own purposes or own distractions or expectations of other people. Maybe it's you can no longer pretend to be following him and today you want to fully commit. You know, you're going through the motions, you're doing okay, but maybe it's about fully committing today. Maybe it might be simply sitting there and asking Jesus to show you the areas of life that you haven't yet fully surrendered. You're not fully trusting Jesus in. And I'm not going to say that's all going to be sunshine and roses after that because as soon as we say, yes, I'm all in Jesus, I can tell you the enemy's going to come and want to take it away from you. And you will face hardship. And those things that you struggle to give up, they're going to sound and feel like more important at that time. And that's where we need to direct our hearts into the word and follow Jesus. We're having a baptism service on July 31st. Maybe that's your next step to publicly declare. I've done it privately. I've said it in my own head, my own time, but I need to publicly declare it. Maybe for many of us, because we're so experienced, we're so passionate, we're so in, um, in tune with Jesus, maybe it is about resetting my time with Jesus, recommitting to pursuing him, realising the distractions that have just slowly come into my life whether that's work or study or scrolling or family, what does it look like to recommit my time to Jesus, to pursue Jesus, to delight in the Father and have him delight in me? And that might be whether I read or listen to Scripture. It might be learning to sit in silence and in solitude. It might be offering daily life to him, to honour him and challenging that and giving up those things that I've held in secret, maybe confessing those things that I'm holding in secret at the moment. Maybe it's recommitting him to him as a husband and wife and saying, 
This is in our marriage. Maybe it's recommitting to him as a single person and saying, you know what, my life isn't all for Jesus. Maybe it's recommitting to him as a, as a grandparent and saying, you know what, I haven't been a great witness to my family. Or as a child to say, you know what, I'm going to stand for Jesus more than my friends. Or in business practices to say, I know that's what we used to do, but I don't think that's what Jesus wants me to do today. What's your next step? As I said, some elements of this will create tension and some of it might seem harder. But we are in partnership with the persecuted church. We are part of the persecuted church. The work is complete and it is still being completed. And we'll sing a song. And I invite us to sing boldly. I invite us to sing loudly. But I also invite us to be open to the Holy Spirit and the things that we might be slave to that we actually need to say, I'm no longer a slave to anything else but Jesus Christ. And as always, if this song is happening, I'm going to let the team finish off with No Longer Slaves, um, and then we'll just move out. There's tea, there's tea, coffee, there's conversation. But if you just need to sit there and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, that's fine. Or if you want to come and have a chat, come and have a chat with me, or go and find someone that you trust and that you know and that will hold you true to following Jesus. May this song that we're about to sing be a song of declaration and a song of truth. Thank you.